Hello and welcome back to Thrive in the New World, a six-part series of podcasts brought to you by Ulster Bank, talking all things growth, adaptability and resilience with business owners and entrepreneurs from across Northern Ireland. Wherever you get your podcasts from, remember to subscribe to stay up to date with future episodes. Well, today I'm delighted to be joined by David Ferguson and Colin McLean, the duo behind the coffee shop chain Bob and Burt's. Welcome, David and Colin. Hi. Now, independent food and coffee shop chain Bob and Burt's was founded in my hometown, Port Stewart, in 2013. And in a very short space of time, the chain has expanded to become a familiar and welcomed addition to local high streets with 15 stores now across Northern Ireland. Bob and Burt's expanded into the Scottish market in October 2018 following the opening of its first store in Falkirk. It has since opened outlets in Dumfries, Dunfermline and Kirkcaldy with another planned in Stirling that's due to open in the autumn. So David and Colin, before we start, I have to ask you the burning question, which is... Where does the name come from? I mean, who is Bob and and who is Bert? Well, this is probably one of the most difficult questions for us to answer, actually, because unfortunately there's no great story behind it and there's nobody actually called Bob or Bert um, in our business. (laughs) Whenever we were first starting, I mean, I thought we wanted to have some personality behind the name and the brand. So it was really important that we had, you know, a name with someone behind it. So we come up with these two names, Bob and Bert, and the idea being is that Bob's quite conservative, quite serious, and Bert's probably the more kind of, you know, strays off and does his own thing, is a little bit crazy. Um, so you can see that reflects well into our menu, um, where, you know, the Bob burger is just like a plain cheeseburger, but the Bert burger has like all sorts of like ketchup and mayonnaise and mustard, etc. on it, you know, so that's where the personalities come through and into the brand. Uh, and nothing to do with your own personalities then? Well... <laughs> Well, I, I don't we, know. We, like to, we do like to leave it to the customer's imagination around that too. <laughs> okay, well, um, where did you guys meet David? Well, me and Colin actually met quite a long time ago. Um, Colin um, came in through my house actually when I was 16 years old with my sister as her new boyfriend. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I guess we've known each other, what now, for 18 to 20 years. Well, that first meeting must have gone well. Colin, did you know that you had a potential business partner sitting there? <laughs> no, it didn't. I mean, David was a little spotty 16-year-old. <laughs> never never thought for one moment they'd be able to make coffee. Um, but he's proved me wrong, so it's, it's been great. <laughs> so then what happened? I mean, 20 stores in seven years is a really impressive growth curve. How did it get started then? I, I had a, an idea to open a coffee shop. Um, in Port Stewart. It was kind of looking at doing something similar to you know the big brands with a really good coffee offering which just wasn't available on the north coast at that time. One thing that I thought wouldn't work is just coffee alone because the volume wouldn't be there and Port Stewart as you know is very much a destination for families and children and days out so just coming for a coffee and a bun just didn't make sense so what I thought would set us aside from all our um, big competitors is to have a really diverse menu so we brought in a breakfast menu and we serve breakfast all day. We also do lunch and dinner. So Bombers kind of ticks the box for every period throughout the day, you know, from early morning, grabbing a quick um, flat white, right through to, you know, a, a slice of cake in the evening with a cup of tea. And David, are you amazed at how it, it took off from that initial plan to open one coffee shop? 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, as Colin says, you know, in Portrushire, the, the idea was to offer something more than just coffee because we felt that that was needed to get the kind of volume. Um, but what became quickly apparent was that it wasn't just Port Stewart that needed that. There was other plenty of towns in Northern Ireland, first of all, that needed that, that not just the coffee offering we were seeing. There's lots of Costas, Nero's, um, Starbucks, the big boys, they all offered a good, very good coffee offering, but the food element lacked and it became quickly apparent that we actually were onto something quite unique in that sense, where people could get that coffee offering coupled with the fresh food offering, um, which is quite unique, really, in the market. And the coffee culture has really taken off, hasn't it? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, coffee's uh, massively exploded in the last five to ten years. Um, you know, initially it was your local um, coffee and tea house that we all went to when we were really young with her granny, maybe. And then we've seen the likes of the big boys coming in, like Starbucks, who kind of introduced us to words like flat white, frappuccino, <laughs> and all these kind of things. Um, and to be honest, you know, they were they actually educated us over here on those words mm-hmm. and then now you've got an independent scene coming through who are probably taking that forward in their own right whether it be bespoke specialist um yeah so it's, it's, it really has taken off i'm just thinking my 17 year old daughter's favorite at the minute is iced oat milk latte so yeah i who knew all those years ago that this is where we would be but uh, Colin, your coffee beans, they're roasted in Lisburn. How important is that to you to support local suppliers, particularly now? Yeah, well, we have always had a real desire to ensure that we buy from local suppliers. And um, Johnson's Coffee in Lisburn is the company who roasts our coffee for us. And we've worked really closely with them to ensure we get the best beans quality, you know. And, and, and they they roast our standard, which is great. Um, and it's just having that relationship, I suppose, with local suppliers. We can go to them and ask them to do something bespoke or change something slightly to just set you apart. And that's what's happened, not just with Johnson's Coffee in Lisbon, but across our um, supplier um, chain. Now, in terms of, of staff, let's go pre-lockdown. How many staff did you have on the books? Um, we had 360. Wow. OK, then yeah. let's go to the middle of March. How did it affect you, David? We all kind of seen it coming, but maybe didn't realise that it would get to the point where we were in complete lockdown. Uh, if we're perfectly honest, the the kind of week running up to um, where they announced that all sort of cafes and pubs had to close. But the Monday they kind of said, you don't have to close, but all customers should avoid them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was kind of interesting because sales just fell off the cliff, if we're honest. Um, so it was quite a stressful time. Um, but then there was kind of the the big Friday announcement that um, where we were told to close and the furlough scheme was announced and kind of, I'll, I'll be perfectly honest, it was a massive, massive uh, weight lifted off our shoulders that week. Um, both myself and Colin didn't get much sleep leading up to that. But I guess once the announcement was made, look, you have to close, it was kind of then slightly easier because that decision was taken out of our hands. The furlough scheme was made available and then we made that available to all employees and put, put everyone who was eligible onto furlough. And now that you've started to reopen have you been able to take the bulk of the staff back or has that changed Colin? Yeah I mean every every store we open we probably start with bringing around 75% of the staff back to that store um, and in most cases now we're back to 100% and um, there has been a few occasions where we haven't quite got the store back up to running full capacity I mean if I'm really honest Belfast City Centre for us isn't quite doing what it should and that's probably more to do with the fact that all the offices in Belfast aren't back yet we rely very heavily on the 
the office trade in the morning and afternoon, so some of our staff in that store in particular aren't back just yet. Now tell me a little bit about how you adapted. Okay, so you know you closed and you furloughed and then you and you're back up and running. But with social distancing and us all having to operate now in this new world, um, especially in the hospitality industry, um, people are you know some people are very reluctant to go into a cafe or a restaurant at all, and then others are quite blasé about it. How did you manage reopening? Yeah, well we. Re- reopened um Korean was our first store we reopened and we really focused on making sure we did everything that we could for customer safety and staff safety so I mean just a, a simple walkthrough was we had some of the front door you know explain the procedure to customers coming in we had hand sanitizer stickers on the floor we had screens up um, staff were offered masks PPE um, and that was only for takeaway and we really focused on making sure that the perception was there but not just perception was we followed up with actually being able to deliver a really safe experience for everyone. And David, one way you did this was by um, developing an app Mm -hmm. to allow ordering and paying and everything like that. Tell us a bit more about the app. The app is something that we've kind of always had in the back of our minds because um, I guess takeaway is an area of our business we've always wanted to push further and develop further. um, but I guess it's always been pushed down the, the sort of priority because we've been opening new sites. So I guess the lockdown gave us an opportunity to put our heads together and said, OK, well, we need to reopen these sites. Um, we need to do takeaway. What way can we make it? Can we get out there to more people and make it as safe as possible? Um, so I guess we think we went back to the app and thought, well, this is a perfect um, opportunity to get it right um, and push it out to our customers. Um, we... Uh, contacted a number of app development companies um, ended up going with one company developing it pretty quickly actually we got the app turned around in about a week and a half um, and we launched a kind of not the full bombers menu just a sort of refined menu that made it easier for our staff and made it easier for them to operate in kitchens and social distancing um, environment um, and that app allows customers to pre-order and collect in store both coffee and food and then equally we also offered the service of ordering on the app for delivery to your home mm. um, which is kind of interesting because you know we we launched this and thought in Korean and thought we'll stay open late because you know we do do food and it's something we've never really done in the evenings actually and we thought people might order a burgers chips in the evening and you know have some nice but actually surprisingly the amount of people offered ordered coffee and cake in the evening to be delivered <laughs> to their house was, it was quite surprising uh, we were both quite shocked by that so yeah it's never too late for cake in my, in my world um, were there any challenges developing the app I mean to get it right is it still a work in progress yeah no it's still a work in progress I mean one thing that Dave and I do quite a lot we're very critical of our business so in terms of the app it was developed for us, you know, it's all branded Bombers, but I mean, we played around with it for probably two or three days, 24 hours a day to try and break it to see, you know, what, how would it work and what would happen if we did this. And we managed to break it quite a few times and then repair it and build it back up. And we then let our families order on it as well, because obviously, you know, they have different needs. We've got young children and we've got grandparents there as well. So that whole demographic of what they order and how it comes packaged from delivery um, meant we could get really good feedback. And believe me, we get really good feedback from families. Uh, <laughs> and how did uh, they respond then to the app? Let's think of the of, of your parents then, David. How did they respond? 
Um, yeah, they thought it was great, really easy to use. I mean, yeah, it's, it's good to use your parents as an example because, you know, kind of technology and so on. Um, they've got it on their phones. They find it really easy to uh, navigate around it, really easy to order. Um, so, yeah, no, it was good feedback, actually. And are you giving any options to people who still haven't got into that smart world? Or are you encouraging all customers now to get the app and you can only get coffee with an app? Well, we're, we're open. All our stores are now reopened. Um, so you can come in and order and sit in as normal. But we do see that as a real good chance to you know expand our business. It means the business can operate really from 8 in the morning till 10 o'clock at night. And we do deliveries as well. You know, So it's really a, it's a good business opportunity for us. Yeah, the delivery world has really taken off too. I mean, yeah. they're so busy. So how many people have you got signed up and have downloaded the app? We, we were watching the app um, being launched. And we're seeing the first person downloaded. We were quite shocked that people were downloading the Bob and Bert's app. Because for us, it's just an amazing thing. Um, but fast forward. 10 weeks some of them like over 7,000 um, who have downloaded it and use it quite regularly Great David how can you um, we've talked about the safety of your customer being absolutely paramount and your staff too but for those who maybe haven't ventured out yet you know how is the experience in Bob and Burt's different to perhaps the way it was before lockdown The, the new world the new experience is you know we um as you walk in, there's now hand sanitization sessions, but that's no different to your local Tesco's. Um, there's um, stickers on the floor telling you exactly you know how far you should stand apart in queue systems. Um, we're trying to encourage contactless payments as much as possible. Um, now we have been forced down the route to take cash because there are people out there who just want to pay by cash. Um, but very much when you're in store, our customers are sorry, our staff are there to communicate with their customers and make them feel safe. Talk to them about you know the procedures that we've got in place. There's lots of signage. Um, there's areas to wait for your food while it's being prepared, and we try and minimise contact where possible. But the reality is that we're in a environment where we're preparing food to order, we're preparing drinks to order. Um, customers are coming in. Some some of those customers are. I guess, more thoughtful than others, if I'm honest, on the social distancing side. And we're kind of trying our best to prepare our food and our drinks to the standards required, but at the same time manage both the, well, to be honest, manage the people who aren't thoughtful because <laughs> they're the most difficult to manage. But so far, so good. I mean, the feedback's been good. Um, there have been a few customers who've you know felt uneasy and we've sort of kind of educated them about what we're doing and they became more confident and come back out um but if i'm you know overall if i look at it the feedback's been good and you know the uptake has actually been better than we thought it would be now i know colin mentioned that in belfast city center it's not going so well for us at the moment but that's more driven by the fact that the offices aren't back to work but if we look at the koreans the balaminas the omas these market towns they're, they they do seem to be th- coming back to life and thriving a bit which is really positive. Colin when you look at the the government support for the hospitality industry um, have you been surprised at the level of support? Yeah very I mean as David said the week before lockdown I mean we were sitting in an office not sure what to do or where to go with this we weren't sure if we have a business in a few weeks time or not and I remember sitting actually watching the television with uh, the Chancellor on BBC News making the announcement you know a furlough was just a huge weight off our shoulders so relieved I mean in terms of that alone that saved loads of jobs in our business you know um rates relief as well has had a huge impact on us 
So yeah, we are surprised at the level and it's, it's been fantastic from our point of view. And now we're hearing about these eating out vouchers. Will your customers be able to benefit from those? Have you heard anything more about that? Certainly if we can um, avail of that, we, we definitely will. What do you think the biggest challenges are for your sector right now, David? The biggest challenges, well, the biggest challenge we're finding, and so I'm assuming the whole sector's finding is, is kind of making sense of all the, the kind of information we're being, we're being given. I mean, when you go to reopen the business, you're getting lots of information from lots of agencies and the media, and it's about trying to filter that information to know exactly how you need to apply that to your business. And I think there's a lot of businesses out there who are currently maybe potentially struggling in the depths of that sort of um, detail. And for us, where we are actually quite good is kind of getting through that detail and going back to basics and going, well, what does this actually mean? And I think when you start to do that as a business and start to go, what does this actually mean? You can quite quickly put procedures and processes in place to reopen, reopen in a safe environment. Uh, And it's actually maybe not as difficult as you think. Um, So I think out there, the challenges for businesses in our sector is is getting through that information and realising how they can reopen and redevelop their business. Do you think it's helpful having this partnership as well at a time of crisis, that there are two heads instead of one? Yeah, I mean, we both have various um, experiences, you know, life experiences, so it is great to bounce ideas off each other, um, and we do that all the time. I and mean, I would speak to David probably four or five times a day on the phone if we're not in the office together, you know, and it is good to have that sounding board, you know, what do you think of this? And sometimes we agree and disagree, but we generally come to a consensus that is good for the business. And how would you say you differ in your, in your strengths at times of crisis? Mm-hmm. I'm probably slightly more analytical. <laughs> right. Um, uh, yeah, I guess. Do you need more time to reflect? Um, well, you know, yeah, I'd probably be a bit more reflective, yeah. Um, and I guess maybe analyse a bit more of the detail. Um, Colin's probably more of a marketeer. I'm probably more of a kind of process system kind of guy. But it works well, you. But it works well. Yin and yang. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And I know it's still early days and um, you're extremely busy by the sounds of it, but... Reflecting on what we've been through, that massive economic shock, has it tested you more than anything else since you've set up this business, Colin? Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, I speak to people who talk about recessions previously and downturns and business not going well, but no one's ever had to overcome what we've overcome in the last number of weeks. And it was a real shock for us. I mean, no one's seen this coming. Yeah, it has been, it's been a real test for, for the business. And I think us personally as well, it's been a real test, you know, how to step up and how, how to restart a business. Because essentially what we're doing is we closed down and we've had to relaunch every store again. You know, retrain staff, different procedures, different menus, different operations. Um, so it has been a real, real struggle at times. And David, how have you coped with that? You know, it was a struggle to be, to begin with. It was quite a lot of like, oh, well, what's happening? You know, we're we're in a world where we kind of, I guess we, we live a life in the last five years of running this business where we thrive off not knowing really what has happened. Well, not I wouldn't say not knowing what's happening next week, but we like the fact that we can get up and it's constantly dynamic, it's constantly changing. We're, we're, we're dealing with the public. But this was a step further because we didn't know whether the business would be open next week or two weeks or five weeks. Um, but I think once you kind of accepted that yourself personally and got over that, then it was back to focus. And so we probably had a week or two where we were like, well, what's going to happen here to then actually go, well, actually, we can develop an app for our customers. 
so that's focusing on our customers. And the other thing we developed whilst um, in lockdown was we developed something called uh, Bob's Learning Development System for our staff um, to re-engage with their staff. It's, it's a, system, a learning development platform that we had always again been developing, but this is our chance to get it over the line and get it out there. So we launched the system and all our staff are now live on it and the feedback from our staff has been very positive and they enjoy being engaged directly from us and about the brand, so it's pretty positive. And I'm hearing this more and more that for, for many companies and organisations, there have been positives that have come out of this time to just reflect and do things differently, Colin? We have changed certain operations in our stores. Um, one thing that we have found as well is our staff have really stepped up. We have amazing staff, really passionate, and they've been able to adapt this pretty easily. Um, so that whole bond and team building is just now ingrained in the Bombers culture, which beforehand was always great. But, I mean, this what happened the last few weeks has really brought us all together, which is fantastic. Now, you've built an instantly recognisable brand, and we've seen how the announcement of new stores generates, I suppose, great hype in local communities. What would your advice be to other entrepreneurs, perhaps listening to this today, hoping to build a brand that really resonates with consumers, Colin? I mean, I I would say to somebody is don't follow the crowd, be really different and be really bold and really understand what you're trying to achieve and then go for it. I mean, that will set you apart and that will build your brand for you. David, have you anything to add to that? You know, my advice would be, like Colin says, know what it is you want to achieve um, and be very focused on it and always go back to what that that focus because if you know what that is, um, you can kind of eliminate what all the noise around you is and, and, and stay true to it and everything else should fall into place. Now I know something um, that's very important to you is community work and fundraising. Can you tell us a little more about the work that you do within the communities where your stores are based, Colin? Yeah, one of the first things we did in Bombers was try to make sure that we were a a community-focused coffee shop. So all our stores seem to be the centre of the community. I mean, we we sponsor over 40 um, different sports teams, which are all kids' teams, so below the age of sort of 16 we try to aim for. And that's really good. Um, We do other things as well, but... I mean, this year we're going to try and climb Kilimanjaro in Africa. Wow. We're trying to get a, a team from, well, different stores, put up maybe one or two people, and we go, I would say, quite a big target for that. But um, as I say, we've been really focused on making sure that we are in the community in all, all towns. So we're nearing the end of the podcast, but David, looking back over the Bob and Bert's journey so far, is there anything that you would do differently? We always like to reflect, as Colin says, like we, we are actually quite self-critical, uh, if I'm honest. Um, so we definitely made mistakes down the road. Um, what would I do differently? Um, we actually, I remember in 2000, it must have been 2015, we got offered a site in Belfast City Centre. And at the time, we thought the rent was ridiculous, um, but it was just where we were in, in our journey. Mm-hmm. But now um, I, I look at that site daily and think, well, why did we not go for that? Oh, um, really? Yeah. So you could have taken a risk there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And Colin, what about you? Yeah, I mean, loads of things. I mean, one thing I will say about Bob and Bird says, you know, we are critical and anything we want to change, we do change pretty quickly. I would have liked to have maybe made the menu a little bit smaller, but that's one of our strengths is having a very diverse menu, but operationally it's difficult for the staff. But no, I, I mean, I think anything that we've had to change, we've always made a real effort to change it there and then. Is there one piece of advice you wish you'd been given when you were starting out? I mean, I, I was given a, a piece of advice when I was younger um, about, you know, I was made calculate how many hours you work in your life and to ensure you do something you enjoy. 
Um, so I guess my piece of advice to anyone would be, um, and it's a piece of advice that I live by, is just to ensure what you're doing is, is fun and you enjoy it. And I mean, it goes back to, we were talking earlier about, you know, entrepreneurs trying to build a brand that really re- resonates with, with their cost- our consumers. If, the, if, they, if they're enjoying what they do and they believe in their brand, then the success should come. So my, I guess that's my advice I would give because I was given it and it's something that I live by. You absolutely have to love what you do. What about you, Colin? Yeah, I would say exactly the same. I mean, you need to enjoy what you're doing. And I was told that if you don't enjoy it, stop doing it. Um, and one thing we we both love is working for Bob and Birds. I mean, today we're in a van. We're going to lift the table from Strand Millis and take it to the North Coast. I mean, we can get someone to do that, but it's actually quite a good time for us to catch up and have a chat in the van and all the rest of it. So we enjoy doing what we do. It doesn't seem like work, and I think that's uh, one of the reasons we're so successful. Yeah, and if there's anybody listening to this that's maybe stuck in a job that they don't enjoy, they fancy being an entrepreneur, um, would you just say do it? Or what needs to be in it? What ducks do you have to have in a row yeah, before you get I, I would say just, just go and do it. Understand what you're trying to get to, what it is you want to do and achieve, and go ahead and, and do it. And who've been the most important people to help you on that journey? Because there are a lot of naysayers around when it comes to being an entrepreneur, but who gives you, who do you turn to at that time? Uh, well, my, my dad's been very influential uh, for me. Um, very direct and very honest, which is sometimes very difficult to listen to. But I appreciate his feedback. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, family are, are a good sounding board, I think, for all this kind of stuff. They do give you um, good feedback and honest feedback. You know, whatever the business was starting out, you know, we, we basically used our own personalities, really, to, to openly be honest with suppliers, with, with, with all connections, and, and try and just lay out what it was we were trying to achieve, and people believed in it. We didn't overcomplicate things, and I think that's something that you need to you need to always remember. Um, you know, we've been through a journey where the business started in 2013, two, three, four, five stores, but if you look back, what we did do was stay focused on the simple things um, and not overcomplicate business plans or over just stay true to what it is you want to do. Some brilliant advice. Uh, David, Colin, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. I think we've all missed our coffee uh, during lockdown. I know I have. Um, trying to make coffee at home with varying degrees of success, but it really doesn't uh, compare to one made by a trained barista. So on behalf of many people out there, we're very happy to have the professionals back doing what they do best and doing it even differently this time and even better so thank you so much for being here today great advice um, especially about you've got to do what you love doing um, and be focused so brilliant thank you this has been episode three of thrive in the new world a six-part series of podcasts brought to you by ulster bank I'm your host, Sarah Travers, and I'm inviting you to join me again for our next episode when I'll be joined by Jamie McMinnis, Managing Director of Minprint, to learn more about how this over 40-year-old family business is adapting in these unique times with a growing range of creative and innovative products to support schools to return safely. 